You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached during the online worship service of Central United Methodist Church. We are located in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to join us for our live worship experience through Facebook or Zoom every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Visit www.cumcballston.org for details. There you can also learn more about our congregation where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our scripture today is from John 4, verses 1 through 29. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sechar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob, well, was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, asked a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? who gave us the well with his sons and its flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so that I may never be thirsty and have to keep coming here to drink water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place anywhere where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, 
for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A year ago, if I said the word Zoom, would you have come up with an image of your mind of a sports car zooming down the road, or maybe a puppy dog zooming around the living room excited and waiting for dinner? If I say the word Zoom now, I'm guessing you probably think of a computer, something a little more sedentary. Many of us right now are Zooming to engage with worship. Well, this week I had a really exciting Zoom call. It was one of the Bible studies that I've been working through with a woman that I'm helping to mentor in our candidacy program. This is the program you go through to become a United Methodist minister. We've been using some materials that were created by the General Commission on the Status and Role of Women in the United Methodist Church. It's a Bible study. And this week, they encouraged us to look at the creeds of our faith and also the hymns that we sing. One of the interesting creeds that we had was one I had never seen before. It was written in 1977. The author is Rachel Conrad Wahlberg, and she entitled it A Woman's Creed. One paragraph caught my attention and it actually caused me to rethink today's sermon. Quote, I believe in Jesus, who discussed theology with a woman at a well, and first confided in her his messiahship, who motivated her to go and tell her great news to the city. End quote. The scripture passage that Kathy just read for us is one that I've preached on before, Sometimes it's too easy to get trapped in one perspective when you look at a familiar scripture text. But the beautiful gift about the Bible is that as you look at scripture time and time again, you can turn it over like a beautiful diamond and you can see the way that God's light reflects differently each time. And it can add to the beauty of the scriptures that we read. So this week, I actually had to take such a familiar text where I thought I was going to go and talk about how Jesus unraveled the shame of the woman, and I allowed the Spirit to help me turn the text and view it from another angle. In the past, I've really only focused on the fact that that woman was at the well during the day, and I had made the assumption based on some other biblical scholars who have actually made the same assumption, that she came to the well because of shame. 
She didn't want to go early in the morning because then she would have encountered the other women who would have gathered at the well before the heat of the day. I've also assumed that her question about worshiping God was simply a way to distract Jesus, to deflect from the fact that he had spoken a shameful truth, that she had had five husbands and the man she was with now was not her husband. However, reading the Women's Creed this week, it caused me to pause and reconsider. Were she and Jesus really having a theological discussion? And did he call her to share the good news about her being the Messiah because she was someone that was ashamed of who she was and he redeemed her? Or had I somehow mischaracterized the Samaritan woman? Had I assumed that she was filled with shame when there might be something entirely different happening here in the text? Dr. Amy Jill Levine is a university professor of New Testament and Jewish studies at Vanderbilt University. And she offers a different scholarly perspective than the ones I had read in the past. She wrote a book entitled The Misunderstood Jew, The Church and the Scandal of the Jewish Jesus. In her book, she addresses this text from the Gospel of John. And Dr. Levine points out that the woman is not an outsider in this text. The fact that she comes to the well at noon is not indicative of some ostracism. In fact, Dr. Levine argues it might simply be a way that the gospel writer drove home an important point that we only get if we remember the text that comes right before. John chapter 3 contains one of the most famous verses, I think. Most folks have heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That famous verse is in the context of Nicodemus coming at night to ask Jesus a question. And so in the chapter that follows in John 4, we see Jesus having another theological conversation, but this time in the light of day. Nicodemus was a man, a Jew, and he was educated. He was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council. He was a teacher of Israel. He held a privileged, prestigious, and powerful position in society. Nicodemus was a religious insider to the faith of Jesus. And yet, in his theological conversation, he does not understand Jesus' mysterious claim about being born from above or translated born again. In contrast, chapter 4 introduces us to a woman who was a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews despised one another. This woman has family connections that are complicated and obscure. She seems nameless and vulnerable. Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman are very different individuals. 
And yet Jesus has conversations with both of them. And the writer of the Gospel of John puts these conversations right next to each other. He shows how Jesus has these conversations with each of them as though they were equals in theological conversation. And he taught both of them incredible truth. Nicodemus doesn't quite get it, but it seems like the Samaritan woman does. The Samaritan woman was an outsider to the faith of Jesus. She wasn't a Jew, and yet she has heard that there is to be a Messiah. And in this conversation with Jesus, she comes to the understanding that she has encountered the Messiah, and she is empowered by Jesus to go and share the good news. And she does go and tell her neighbors. If we look a few verses after Kathy read for us, we see that the story continues. She does leave the well. She does tell her neighbors, and quote, many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony, end quote. So Dr. Levine makes an astute observation that the townspeople would not be likely to listen to the testimony of someone who was ostracized or marginalized or someone who was known to be a shameless sinner. So the Samaritan woman may not have been the ostracized outsider that she is so often interpreted to be. In fact, Dr. Levine argues that if we look closely at the story itself, that it is Jesus who is the outsider. He is the one who behaves in a shameless way, and he is the one who is on the margins of the Samaritan community. Jesus enters Samaria as an outsider. Just as the Jews had animosity toward Samaritans, Samaritans had animosity toward Jews. The Samaritan woman actually could be seen as mocking Jesus. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Traditional commentaries tend to dismiss the fact that Jesus is the outsider, that Jesus is on the margins, that this woman might actually not be shy and timid, but she might be saying those words to mock him. Too often, we turn our focus on the woman and see her vulnerability, and we see that she has no power in the situation. So we don't hear those words with any sense of humor. It's no accident that John's narrative comes right after John chapter 3. Dr. Levine wrote, quote, The unnamed Samaritan woman understands Jesus, while Nicodemus, the elite leader, fails to get the point. Here at the well, this Samaritan woman, the opposite of an elite insider, she sees the possibility that Jesus might be the Messiah, and she becomes one of the first evangelists of good news, not because she possesses a seminary degree, but because she engaged a fellow human being in awkward conversation. She did not shirk from that conversation. 
She did not run away. She did not ignore Jesus, but she stayed present to the conversation even when it was hard and awkward. What unraveled in this text for me this week was not my expectations of the shame that Jesus would unravel from this woman. Instead, what unraveled for me was two things. First, my own assumptions, coming at this text with the same understanding that I had the last time I researched it. Those unraveled this week. And second, I saw the way that God unraveled evangelism in this text. So often, we United Methodists, we shy away from that word evangelism as though we're ashamed of it somehow because we don't want to be seen as judging others, as telling people the way they're living is wrong and the way we're living is right. Instead, I saw once again how evangelism is about the relationships that we build with people, especially people who are unlike us. I saw the way that Jesus and the Samaritan woman stayed together in the midst of an awkward conversation to build a relationship that turned out to be life-changing. It didn't just change the life of the Samaritan woman, but it changed the life of her whole city. I'm going to read a few more verses after what Kathy read for us, starting at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. End quote. Jesus stayed two days. Jesus, who was an outsider, was welcomed into the community because of the relationship that he built with the woman at the well. You and I are called to bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. We are to do this especially with people who feel like they are on the margins of society, people feel who are pushed to the sides, who are outside of the elite. How do we do this? Well, not by social media. Not by picking up a bullhorn or wearing one of those sandwich boards warning other people that their religion or their politics are wrong. I can't help but wonder if there isn't a clue for us in how Jesus behaved. We saw that Jesus stayed two days. Jesus allowed himself to be vulnerable by being a guest in Samaria, by building relationships with people who were very different from him. He entered with a posture of humility because he allowed himself to be an outsider. And they were able to receive him and welcome him as a guest. And because of that, they were able to encounter the living God. So let us be like Jesus, going to the margins, to the places where we might feel like an outsider, 
to the places where we need to enter with humility. Not to proclaim how people are worshiping wrong, but to build relationships, to have awkward theological conversations, and to build relationships that allow the living God to be experienced. Because it is only when we encounter the living water that Jesus gives us can we see for ourselves the life-changing gospel when we are the ones who enter with humility to share the good news of Jesus, it can change our lives and the entire city. Thanks be to God. Amen.